0: Welcome back to the AZN Connection. My name is Jeffrey Tram. Today, I'm going to solo this episode. John and Rhea are very busy people, so they couldn't make it here today, but we will have more episodes coming soon, so don't you worry. Today with me is someone I met on the popular app Clubhouse, Richard Tran. Richard, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing well, man. How are you?
0: Not too bad, not too bad. So in case anyone doesn't know, Clubhouse is a new app where people get to network, talk about different conversations, whether it's serious or non-serious. I know for me, you know, Clubhouse has been sick because here in Canada, we have a crazy lockdown. So uh, we can't go and talk to people. So this has been a cool place for me. How about you? How has your uh, Clubhouse experience been?
1: It's been well, you know, well, first of all, you know, happy late Lunar New Year, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but, the experience has been, you know, very insightful. Um, I had a great opportunity to meet many new people, so meaning like yourself and a few others that are like have the same mind and want to make a difference uh, within our communities. So it's been it's been a real positive experience.
0: Absolutely, and uh, some of the convos that we were having on Clubhouse are some of the things we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, I'd like to hear your story. So tell me where you're from and how you got to where you are today.
1: I'm from Norfolk, Virginia. I went to Norfolk State University, which is a historical black college university. I pledged Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. There I became heavily involved with the black community um, during my college tenure. So, and then I was involved with politics. Um, I started my career in politics, and then I transitioned to business development, where I helped land multi million dollar government contracts uh, for various companies.
0: hmm. So let's, st- let's start taking one step at a time. Let's start with your childhood. What was it like being an Asian in Norfolk?
1: Yeah, so where I'm from, and Norfolk, Virginia was a huge military town, Uh, it was very segregated, you know, I was normally the only Asian everywhere I went, so I didn't really have that Asian community. However, I grew up in a Chinese carryout restaurant where I was running the cash register at the age of seven. Um, I was also helping out my parents when we owned a nail salon. So. I got a bit of entrepreneurial blood in me, but it wasn't as diverse as I would have liked for it to have been. But yeah, it's just just one of those uh, situations where I, I had to like be comfortable under my own skin, if you know what I mean. Did you
0: feel like you would have enjoyed your childhood more if you had more of an Asian community where you
1: grew up? I kind of got into a lot of trouble and, you know, and I was, I didn't have any really, Direction in life when I was growing up, you know, as as an Asian American growing up, we don't have like too many role models except for like Jet Li or someone that's practicing kung fu or martial arts, um, you know, in the, on the movie screen. So growing up, I didn't really have like that icon except for like someone like LeBron James, you know, or some or Martin Luther King Jr., you know, and that's that's what I. I just love the history be behind both individuals so you know it was it was an eye-opening experience and I wouldn't take any minute away from it uh, except you know like I didn't really connect with my like Asian roots until like five years ago
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah so what where did you feel like you belonged?
1: Mainly, to be honest with you, I was getting picked on by by these white kids because I was the only Asian in these classrooms, right? I would go uh, walk in the bus and I would get paper balls thrown at me and they would make these uh, Asian eyes, slant hand gestures to their faces. And it it took a few black kids to uh, stand up for me. And so at the time, yeah, I think I I meshed well more with the African-American community Back in norfolk um you know i just always felt comfortable around that community it's it's a very welcoming and loving uh group of people um referring to my friends you know and they've always had my back so it was just nothing but love
0: and then would you say that being a relationship with the community led you to the decision to go to an hbcu
1: yes absolutely well to be honest with you i had no intentions uh going to college at all you know, until I saw a lot of my friends uh, get incarcerated or becoming badly injured, you know, due to the violence that were going on um, at the time. So I had zero intentions until I became a young father at the age of 17. And there were two colleges uh, in Norfolk, which one is uh, ODU, the other is Norfolk State University. And I already knew that I was going to excel at Norfolk State because I've received like this family vibe you know i i have a great network of friends that you know that will look out for me and it's just it's just been an an amazing experience
0: so tell me more about what it was like going to an hbcu as an asian person
1: oh man (laughs) um i loved every minute of it it really created this tough skin for me you know, to excel in the real world. What I've learned from attending uh, an HBCU such as Norfolk State University is that they teach you how to survive in life, you know, meaning you just can't take no for an answer, never give up on your goals or dreams. And also there's a strong backing of the Norfolk State community backing of helping you accelerate whatever you're trying to do in life. So you know, and that was, that was one component of it. The other component was that, you know, there were a lot of people questioning me, like why am I attending like this, this institution? Why, you know, and also I pledged a uh, black fraternity, their Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And there were, <laughs> there were a lot of people, you know, just trying to do their homework on me and wanting to know like my reasoning behind uh, joining this organization. So, and, and it, it taught me not to take things personally. I treat everything like it's a business. You know, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm transactional or anything, but I think anything that you do in life, you, you know, you just want to deliver 100% to your best effort. So, you know, my experience there, it just it just taught me so many lifelong things. And I again, I wouldn't take uh, a minute from it.
0: And specifically, you know, you, you you already built a bit of a connection with the black community in terms of having mm. the friends that you've made uh, before an HBCU. But what specifically did you learn at an HBCU about the black community that you didn't previously know before?
1: I just learned more about the history. I've learned more of about the African American investors, politicians. Also, I majored in uh, political science. Um, going to Norfolk State and I just learned like the the uh, the influence of black politicians that had an effect to our current day policies you know things like that but socially to be frank you know I was surrounded by black excellence for the last four years uh sending while attending the school and it was just amazing to me that I can like really achieve anything, you know, if because I'm just surrounded by like, black lawyers, doctors, engineers. So it just I was really fascinated how this community, well, this this institution that that's really uh, tailored to the African American community, just made me inspired just to uh, achieve my 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 goals, you know.
0: And tell me about the significance of the fraternity that you were a part of.
1: Right. So Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated is the first Black intercollegiate fraternity. Uh, uh, We have very prominent members such as Martin Luther King, Thurgood Marshall. And it's it's a great organization that elevated the African-American community. And I just knew that I wanted to be a part of it. Um, you know what the difference between a lot of fraternities that it, they usually kind of die down once you know once college is over, but with organizations like Alpha, you know this is a lifelong commitment, and I'm like still active. Uh, I try to be involved with some of the community uh, events too, but due to COVID, that has been you know that has that needs to be rescheduled, things like that, but. You know, it's 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 it it's a great network to be a part of, and you know, I talk to my frat brothers almost every day. You know, it's just and having that brotherhood, you know, on the palm of your hands is, is is amazing.
0: So, in this journey so far to this point, when did you start to build more of a connection with your Asian roots and the Asian community?
1: I moved to DC around the year of two thousand fifteen. And as I mentioned before, there wasn't like a heavy uh, Asian community back back home. And so I had no choice but to uh, adjust myself in this new area because I didn't know anyone uh, moving to Washington, DC. To be honest, like I started meeting uh, my Asian friends, you know, through other mutual friends. And then I started hanging out and just learning like, you know, we can go for boba on a weekly basis, or you know, just learning more of the Vietnamese culture specifically. Uh, j- just, just learning how to be myself.
0: Before we take we steer to uh, to more of the in depth uh, conversations that I'm really excited to have. I, mm. out of curiosity, I would love to know your experience with the dating world in terms of. Have you gotten interracial um, as an Asian man?
1: Yeah. Before my current girlfriend now, um, growing up when I was in college, yes, I had uh, had a, I had a Black girlfriend at the time. And, you know, it was kind of a struggle in terms of like dating interracially in, in my household. I wouldn't call it like racism um, from my parents, but it's just, you have to understand the Asian elders are like more traditional, and you know it's hard to dispel some of the negative stigma that comes from um, dating outside of your race in an Asian household. And a lot of people do not realize the magnitude that takes into effect onto us when we do date outside of our race. So yeah, to answer your question, um, you know it was a struggle, um, but now um, I have my current girlfriend Megan. I love her, you know, she's Chinese American. And it's just, you know, we also like click on so many levels and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, that's it's it was it was a struggle and it's not something that we can fix overnight. I think there's a lot of uh, there's a generational gap because, you know, our parents came over to this country to form a new life. You know they weren't too worried about being liberated or they weren't too worried focused on like the civil rights movement things like that right they just moved here just to live and survive now as like uh as a second generation um uh, asian-american i think it's we have a job to educate our community also just educate educate our community on like social injustices things like that um also The other uh, aspects of what it what it means to be an Asian American now, because we're initially we're essentially forming our own we're creating our own story here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you seemingly transitioned for me to what we I wanted to talk about exactly in terms Uh of uh, the Asian community and what we have to do. I think it's been very prominent what's been going on recently with the rise of anti Asian Mm -hmm. racism and attacks. Uh, due to COVID-19. What do we as the Asian community need to change in terms of being more vocal about injustices?
1: Right, you know, to answer that question, I like to refer a lot of historical um, context, you know, Back in, I just found out recently, Malcolm X died on the lapse of Yuri Gochiyama. Yuri Gochiyama was a Japanese American civil rights activist who had a very tight relationship with Malcolm X. So that's one, right? Uh, another component I like to refer to is the LA riots of 92. Violence erupted between the Korean American and black community uh, then. And I think we need to just learn from our flaws um, from a historical perspective, and then see how we can prevent that in the future. You know, what I mean by that is like, it's, it's it's going to be, you know, taxing to have these conversations with our family members who necessarily don't see eye to eye with us on these issues, right? You know, there, and there's so many nonprofit organizations and communal organizations that are making a difference. So, you know, and then with the hate crimes that are recently that have been recently conducted, you know, it's 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 very tragic because I think when the pandemic happened and with the former president labeling this virus as the Chinese virus, it really it really took us a step back because talking to, after you know having a discussion with the social injustices and why Black lives matter to our parents. And then next thing we have um, are these hate crimes that are being conducted towards uh, Asian Americans, more specifically the elders, because, you know, in a way, they can't really defend themselves. you know, they're just taking a stroll, and next thing you know, they get attacked for no apparent reason. And it breaks my heart because as as a society, we need to realize it doesn't matter. What race you are? If you attack like an an elder, like or an elderly person, that's just flat out wrong. And those people that are conduct these hate crimes do not realize the the detrimental pain that will will come into effect from uh, generations from now. Right? It's 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 tough, man. You know. And as my heart uh, and prayers goes to um, anyone that was affected by these uh, recent hate crimes. You know, there's been a lot of rallies and organizations that have been highly active in in the community. I was reading yesterday, uh, I think Oakland had, like, uh, had a great turnout uh, for Asian American rally uh, to combat these hate crimes towards our community. And it's it's, it's beautiful to see, you know.
0: Absolutely. And it's really great that you highlighted that. Would you say that before, and this is, I feel this way, that it took something like the anti-Asian attacks during the pandemic mm. for Asian people to finally be vocal about anything.
1: Yeah, you you brought up a great point, you know, in, in our culture, right? Like we're taught to be like obedient and not to be opinionated on certain things, you know, let's like, we just, we're just adding to the model minority myth, right? And so that's, culturally, how we were, you know, how we were brought up. So when the pandemic happened, I think it made a lot of people realize, like, how flawed we are as a as a nation, because, you know, and and it comes from the top. (laughs) At the time, the former president, like, he spewed out a lot of remarks that did way more harm than good. And, As the as the commander in chief you have to realize what you say matters so you know to to address that it's 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 hard, Um, but I think this pandemic was kind of a gift and a curse, because um, it did raised the it did push the envelope on why we need to be more active in the communities and why we need to highlight like hey we have a real issue going on so why are we not doing anything about it things like that so yeah i think i think it it did take a pandemic to wake up you know our communities
0: absolutely and i really want to bring up this point in terms of the culture because Mm -hmm. our elders our asian elders they escaped warfare, they mm-hmm. they were fleeing prosecution. They come in as refugees to this country. Yep. And they tell us that we, as the children, need to focus on education and mm-hmm. school. And that's it, because that's the only way for success. Yeah. Now, I wanted to hear your thoughts on the downsides of that rhetoric, that that uh, culture, yeah. especially since it was because of the civil rights movement why they were able to come to this country mm-hmm. to begin with. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what you brought up is a is a cultural component that the rest of America is is isn't fully aware of, right? You know, as as we're growing up, you know, our parents has has always taught us to like either we want to become a doctor or a lawyer and that's how you become successful and they use uh, you know, white people as as a as a metric of success. And I think that's really doing more harm than good. It's it's you know it, it, it kind of uh, diminishes um, you know all these younger Asian Americans who actually have real dreams and actually want to pursue pursue something that doesn't necess- that doesn't necessarily require a degree or just anything else you know. And it's it's really it's and it's it's, it's the environment that we um we have been operating under. And so us as like young leaders, right? We just have to keep showing, we have to set an example, like setting example of doing something positive that you're that you're passionate about and just being that 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 focal point of of our communities. Like, hey, you know, for instance, in my case, I I was supposed to pursue IT, right? I was supposed to become an IT engineer. That's what my father wanted. But I, instead, I went into politics because I'm passionate about, you know, working with different communities and also just making a difference. And then I kind of like forged my own like career path, you know, by becoming a, a business development professional, because after spending years um in this field, like I became, you know, adequate enough to to become efficient in my current role. So it's, you know, it's a, it's hard, man. Like people, a lot of people do not realize that
0: you are an example of someone going outside the traditional career paths that a lot of our elders kind of force us to go into because they really view those as the only levels of success in society right i want to shout big a shout out to Wang fu because they did um a show called yappy which really yeah highlight that they did a really good job at highlighting this when we go toward this path it is believed that it's a good thing right because that's the good safe life but in some ways us living the safe life is doing harm to the rest of the world and the other communities because we aren't speaking up on injustice when we focus on our own lives we force ourselves into a bubble Mm -hmm. and therefore that's why we get comments from the other communities, especially the Black community, saying we're almost like white people, we don't speak up, you know, the statistics show that typically Asians uh, have the lowest voter turnout. So how do we fix that culture within the Asian community? I think, well, part of that, actually, I'll answer part of that is, I mean, we're seeing a bit of that now with the the rallies against the anti-Asian attacks, but what more can we do?
1: I think we need to enhance our grassroots outreach uh, locally and then statewide. I think that's one component of just um, increasing the voter turnout. You now, for instance, the Georgia Senate uh, runoff, you know, there was a high population of Asian Americans that voted uh, for the Democrats to make to become to make it become a blue state. So it starts with the grassroots, you know, from the, from the local standpoint of the community, we can truly uh, enhance the, the, the voter turnout registration.
0: With the um, rise of, you know, anti-Asian attacks, you know, we want other uh, members of other communities to speak up and to be fair, there's some have, but how do we build more solidarity uh with other communities especially the black community
1: we can throw out facts and figures all day right and that still wouldn't be productive because well from my parents business we relied heavily on the black community like they were our primary consumers right and like at the time we economically we have supported each other well well that's actually is one-sided because we don't necessarily support the black community um economically so we can we can share all these facts and figures all day, but I think what it really takes, and what I'm like trying to uh, project now to my peers is like let's let's normalize the little things, right? And what I mean by that, last week I gave one of my best friends who is who is black and red envelope, right, for Chinese New Year, for Lunar New Year, sorry, and it's just like those little things actually goes a long way because if we can just have a seat at the, at the dinner table and just break bread together, that's one cause of it. Also, all these other organizations, like we need to kind of follow the footsteps how the Black and Yellow Peril, uh conducted their outreach. So things like that, man. And, you know, there's a, there's a change um, that's, that's, that's happening, a social change, right? You know, you have a lot of these you know, millennials, these Asian-Americans who are millennials that are making a difference, that are promoting the anti-racism and all these injustices as well.
0: How important is it for the Asian community to stand Mm. in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, especially when it is very important and we almost ask for solidarity from other communities uh, when we are now going through anti-Asian attacks?
1: Right. You know, everything you stated is is very uh, current because what I'm noticing is that when we do not stand together in solidarity, we are just enabling the what the oppressors have wanted for us to do for so long. You know, for example, the Chinese were the first Asian immigrants to come to this country, and they were, they were known for building new railroads. But earlier I learned today that, like, you know the white community try to take credit for it for it right and so it's just things like that and it's not really like highlighted in history and so i think we that's another topic but the importance of standing together with our black brothers and sisters is that we can form anything we can make a true difference once we move as a as a unit you know
0: who are some of your idols
1: well my idols growing up were Jet Lee and LeBron James. You know, Jet Lee for me and my generation, you know, he was like this badass that we're like just making it just making a scene and just like he definitely left his market in Hollywood, right? And then LeBron James, because his story and the impact he has within his community and the things he has done socially is just is just an amazing story. And he does have an amazing story, you know, being drafted straight out of high school to play in NBA and to become the most regarded player um, in NBA history.
0: You might relate to this from what the people I've talked to, they feel the same way. A lot of the role models that Mm -hmm. us Asians had growing up were mostly black, whether it's in the the hip hop world or or the music world or the sports world. And that's because we didn't have a lot of Asian representation in those those worlds you know and the portrayal with of asians in the media were as you mentioned earlier in the martial arts kung fu side or mm. as the nerdy you know smart yeah. asian geek type character how important is it for there to be more representation positive representation of the asian community in the media
1: right you know i think a lot of people, uh, when they think of Asian American, based on what they see in movies, they only think that we can do martial arts, right? And then we have this movie called Crazy Rich Asians. That kind of, you know, it was a, it was, it was a great movie. You know, I think it it, it gained a lot the worldwide attraction, the worldwide um, attention to it you know but again it, it necessarily doesn't like help our case right because you know if you study the facts like A- Asians in this country were the most well off minority group per capita right so and it's just it just really i think to to adjust the media's agenda about us i think you know it, we should have like more more movies that just display like regular
0: lives so in the past few days me and rich have been part of this room on clubhouse which is called something the lines of like Wu tang uh asian don't raisin black don't crack and for <laughs> for the listeners that room in my pers- my view is trying to highlight some of the positives between our communities and our connections so yeah. I my question for you is what are some of the connections that the asian community and the black community have that we should be focusing on more.
1: Man, before I begin, I wanted to give a shout out to Rennie and Lansky for making a genuine and organic space for the Asian and Black community. So shout outs to them. There's so many commonalities between uh, the Asian community and the Black community that a lot of people don't highlight. For instance, I grew up wearing Jordans, right? You know, and I grew up listening to hip hop music and I just remember wanting to be like Jin, the MC, you know, the first Chinese American rapper, mm. things like that. And with regards to the, this, this room, I think that room is going to be revolutionary. And what I mean by that is there's like really no hidden agenda. Everything that we've discussed in this room is genuine and organic. And I think we need to apply that concept in the real world. You know, like invite someone over that you want to connect with who is black, you know, if you're Asian and vice versa, if you're black, you know, bring, you know, ask them if you want to attend like a Lunar New Year event. You know, I think we really just need to bridge that gap. And, you know, what in the last four years, what this the previous administration has displayed is like it really um, showcased the the internal racist uh, acts that that has never really left you know? So, you know, and when we are unified together, we make such a powerful, uh, you know, we make a powerful outcome. So, and again, like, I mean, we can refer back to like the 1964 act, um, Civil Rights Act, you know, without that act, you know, majority of Asian Americans wouldn't be here because of the 1968 Civil Rights Act that followed the coattail of the 1964 Act, right? So we, we need to, like, just bridge that bridge that gap together and like become more um, in sync when we do dispel social issues together
0: one of the things i want to accomplish is to dismantle the model minority myth now mm-hmm. in your own words what is the model, model minority myth and why is it important to dismantle it
1: I believe the term "model minority" derived from a news reporter from New York who was describing the a group of people that resembles white people in a way. And what that means is, us as Asian Americans, we're you know taught to become doctors or lawyers because we put uh, the white community on such a high pedestal, and you know, and that brings in colorism, but we. Get to, that's another topic, but you know, and we put them on this high pedestal and our parents kind of like drilled this in our minds like, hey, you need to be like so-and-so, because you know, that's the only way out, or this is the only true metric to define success in this country. So, in my own words, yeah, the model minority is is a term that is is toxic and it doesn't, it doesn't build our our stories the the appropriate way, you know.
0: Right, and I wanted to add on to that is essentially, um, we are celebrating the success of select Asian minorities who who work their butt off to be successful. But mm-hmm. when we highlight that, that we are also using that to attack another group, which is prod- usually the Black community, mm-hmm. um, and that creates the divide that the white institutions of power want so that is why it's so important to destroy that myth and we are doing so by having these type of conversations creating dialogue about our community taking responsibility on some of our own actions or inaction in terms of not being vocal in the past so my question for you is what is your message to the next generation of asian people
1: You know, my my message to the Asian American community is that once we learn the tragic events that occur between the Black and Asian community, and once we learn the significance of eliminating that division between us, then we can really have a fruitful dialogue or outcome that can benefit both communities, man. Like, let's be honest here. Like, as I mentioned before, economic development wise, Like if we truly put money into their pockets and they put money into our pockets and we do that together, we do that anyways on our own, right? And, you know, meaning Asians supporting other Asians and African-Americans supporting other African-Americans and we build that bridge between us, we'll become, we'll make a true change, you know? And we can, and then that boils down to another topic of how we can be uh, major influencers in politics. You know, and it takes, it takes strong organizations. It takes the grassroots leveling, uh, lobbying to, to make this change.
0: What does being Asian American mean to you?
1: What being Asian American means to me is to represent not only yourself, but your family members that didn't have the opportunity to uh, excel in this country. What being an Asian American means to me on another note is that we have to become more diverse when it comes to societal issues. And we need to we need to normalize and embrace other communities and cultures. So, you know, that's one of my two bullet points of what it means to be an Asian American.
0: Now, what's next for you? What are some of your goals in your life?
1: yeah uh five years from now i plan on becoming a uh, vice president um, of a company in business development so i just love the components of and the ingredients of what it means to like win a government contract i know i'm kind of like weird in a way but you know there's a lot of data a lot of analytics and and i think it's powerful when i do like help land these governmental contracts for these companies that you know we create jobs you know and as of right now i I work for an asian-owned woman-owned it government contracting firm and it's just it's just amazing seeing like a lot of there's a lot of vietnamese americans and other asian americans in the company and i think it's a great uh it's it's a great example of what we can do if we really pursue our 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 dreams you know
0: well Thank you so much for coming on to the show. As I said earlier, I invited Rich because one of the big goals of the Asian connection is to have these meaningful conversations in terms of uplifting our people, improving the current state of our community, addressing some of the issues and also speaking up on the injustices that go on in our community and all Mm -hmm. the other communities. So thank you so much for coming on to the show. For the listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the AZN Connection. You can check us out on Apple Music or Spotify. Follow us on the socials. If you have any questions, I believe there's an email that you can send inquiries to. And uh, yeah, more conversations are coming soon.